everybody. Welcome back to the Female Footballers Podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Female Footballers Podcast. Today's guest is rookie goalkeeper for Racing Louisville, Olivia Sakani. Before Racing Louisville, Olivia helped guide the University of Washington to the Sweet 16 of the 2020 NCAA Tournament and holds the Husky record for the lowest goals against average in program history, surpassing Hope Solo. We hope you enjoyed this episode. It was great chatting with one of my former teammates and getting to hear about her experience in the NWSL. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Female Footballers Podcast. My name is Haley Lucas. I am joined by Olivia Sakani, who was a college teammate of mine at Cal, who went on to have an illustrious career at University of Washington women's soccer team as well, and is now playing for Racing Louisville of the NWSL. Hi, Olivia. Hi, how's it going? Good. Thank you for joining us. So today I kind of want to talk about your experience um, this season. It's your first year playing for Racing Louisville and kind of just generally to start out, how's it going? It's going great. I mean, I feel so fortunate to have ended up here and where, where I did, you know, I think that everybody's been so welcoming and it's been such, I mean, I wouldn't call it an easy transition because the jump from college to pro is definitely not easy, but I think it's been so much smoother and so much easier because I have so many great people around me between the staff and my teammates. And it's just, it's, it's been so much fun so far. So no complaints here. That's awesome. And then you spoke kind of about the transition from college to professional. Can you speak about it on not only the technical and kind of soccer side, but also maybe the mental side of the game? Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, yeah, obviously there's a massive jump from um, from college up to the professional level, especially when you're jumping into the NWSL, which is arguably the best league in the world. And you've got players, I think we have like seven or eight players who play for their national teams, like including the U.S., but like it's, it's unreal to come in as a college kid and be like, oh my gosh. But um, yeah, so that's, that's obviously a massive adjustment, but on the mental side, um, I mean, it's, this is the first time soccer's ever actually really been my job. Like you as a college athlete, as a student athlete kind of feels that way sometimes where you're like, oh, like this feels like my job. This feels like work, but this is legitimately (laughs) what I do for work. And that just adds a whole new level of, you know, commitment to not just your training, but also like taking care of your body. Like if you are hurt, that jeopardizes your job potentially. And like, um, and then just the other, the other big thing that is a huge transition is the length of the season. And that's mentally a a hump you got to get over. And one that I'm working on getting over and my goalkeeper coach here, Sergio has told me many times, you know, every rookie their first year, hits a wall mid-season because you're used to a college season, which is three, four months maximum. And you get into the NWSL and you're talking about a nine to 10 month season from the time you get in for preseason through, if you go all the way to the end of postseason, it's 10 months. Um, So that's a massive transition. So I would say um, one of the biggest things that's been stressed to me by coaches, older players, mentors is just um, finding balance and, you know, that's a buzzword and something that people talk about a lot, but it's so, so important because again, this is my, this is my job. Um, and it is something that makes me very happy, but I need to have other things to do to preserve my mental health, to make me happy off the field, because otherwise it gets 
real overwhelming doing just soccer every single day, 24 seven for 10 months. So I think that those are, those are kind of two, two of the biggest noticeable hurdles that I've had so far. Totally. And I think like, similarly, when I was playing, it's a transition, not only from when you're in college, you have school, you have extracurriculars, your day is full. It's pretty surprising to a lot of people that your day is not that full when you get to professional level. No. <laughs> and it's, you have to like find things to do. And like, I'll ask you about that balance in a second, but it's crazy. Like we're lucky in soccer. There's only so many hours we can be on the field at one time. It's not like swimming or gymnastics where you're in there eight hours a day. Yeah. And if you, you could think about soccer all day, if you really wanted to, and that's not a good thing. And it was kind of, at least for me, nice to have school and other things to break it up. So what are you trying to find or do um, in your free time? Yeah, I mean, so for starters, I'm still just kind of like getting settled in right. in Louisville. So, I mean, I've been here since the start of preseason, which was end of January, um, and it's now June. But I've only really officially been on the team. Like I signed my contract on March 31st. Yeah. So there's a lot of there's a lot of just little like technical logistical things that I am still taking care of so that takes up some time um but then yeah we really we have a lot of free time I've spent a ton of time with my teammates and again like that's that's such an awesome thing I have so many great friends here um I'm again very fortunate to have come into an environment where we're really young teams like I'm 24 and there's a lot of us girls that are like 23 to 26 age range so a lot of times we'll go out and try to find stuff to do, whether it's go try new restaurants or go to any of the stuff that's going on in the city. Um, so that definitely is something that, um, something that helps pass the time, um, really trying, especially lately as you know, the months drag on and little nagging stuff starts to pop up, like really hone in on my recovery and doing whatever I can, um, to keep myself, you know, healthy and sharp and, um, that's been a big one for me. And then I also started to get into some social media stuff when, uh, NIL first became a thing in college towards the end of my college career. Um, and that is something that I've really enjoyed doing and is also like a nice little helpful supplemental income. So starting to, uh, devote time when and where I can to producing some content for social media, um, and then I'm looking to also potentially get into maybe doing some coaching on the side, you know, there's, there's plenty of things. And, uh, I think eventually too, once I'm a little farther removed from school, I would like to, you know, maybe continue my education, do something else, explore something else. But, you know, I did just graduate from five and a half years of undergrad and a master's. So taking a little, little break from school for the time being, but I think that's definitely, definitely something that I will go back to at some point, uh, later in my career. That's awesome. And I was going to ask you about the social media stuff because I am old. So we didn't have NIL yet. And that's so cool to see you're doing that. I'm seeing like all the posts on the NWSL page and the TikTok and stuff. Um, is it, is it time consuming to make all that stuff? It's way more time consuming than I thought, than like a lot of people think when I first started doing it. And admittedly, I have not been as consistent even since I've been a pro since I've been here. Cause I've just had a lot of stuff on my plate and it's been a big transition year, but like even in college, yeah, it's, it's a lot more time consuming than you would think. Mm -hmm. Um, and so again, like as I'm starting to get more settled, being able to devote more time to that has been great because it's like, like I said, it's a good way for me to, you know, 
make some supplemental income and um, to, you know, promote myself and create a personal brand. Um, but then also too, I think it's it's been a really cool way for me to interact with younger players and fans and kind of like mentor people from a distance, which is cool. And uh, like, I try, I try to be as interactive on there as I can, especially with younger players. And I've had so many kids come up to me already at games, be like, I follow your TikTok. I love your TikTok. Da, 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 da. And that's just, that's a, that's a cool, cool little thing for me because I remember looking up to so many pro players and like, I want to be as accessible to those kids as I can because having those role models, especially as a young girl playing sports is so, so valuable. So um, yeah, but it does take, it takes some, it takes some time and energy for sure. Um, but it's not, it's something that I, I enjoy doing. So it doesn't really feel like too much work. That's awesome. On that same note, has there been any negatives or downsides of social media that you've seen from whether that's on your mental health or anything like that? Um, I mean, I think that there's always, I mean, there's always downsides to social media that a lot of people talk about. And like, I think that I'm still such a, like, (laughs) I'm not in any way a big TikTok star or anything, but you see a lot of, a lot of people there's, um, Alona Mar is one of my current like favorite athletes who's playing right now. She's a USA rugby player. Um, and one of the things she talks so much about and advocates so much for is like body positivity and like showing off, you know, that women who play sports have all different kinds of bodies and, um, encouraging young girls to, you know, embrace that muscles aren't effeminate, like, or aren't, um, unfeminine. They're just like, part of who you are and yeah like so I think that somebody like that though she talks a lot about um more like the hate that she gets online and things like that because she just has a bigger platform like I don't have I don't think a big enough platform to really get as much of the negative stuff Mm -hmm. um but I mean yeah I mean there's always there's there's so many pros and cons I think social media can be it can be great because it connects people and it um, creates communities of people that they wouldn't otherwise have and allows you to see and learn so much. But yeah, there's always, there's always going to be people on there trying to ruin it for everybody. (laughs) So, but I haven't personally gotten a lot of backlash, so can't, can't complain there. That's awesome. Well, I'm excited to see more of your content because it's fun. I love it. Thanks. Um, in terms of kind of like on your, I know it's very new still like on your team and then in WSL, how has the team culture been related to the mental side of the game? Is that something you guys focus on or is there time spent there? Yeah, we actually, um, we periodically, <clears throat> excuse me, we periodically have uh, mental health related like topical meetings. I think we actually have one this week. Um, and they're usually just like little 30 minute meetings on different topics. They sent out a survey at the beginning of the season about, you know, what are some things that you guys would like to learn more about? So things like, um, sleep health and sleeping was one of the ones that we did. Um, I think we have, we're going to do one on, um, or we did one on like stress and anxiety management and things like that. Um, so it's definitely, it's definitely a topic of discussion. And then we have sports psychs available to us. We have just regular psychologists and psychiatrists available to us. Um, especially with, you know, so many of the things that have happened in the NWSL in previous years, I think that this year in particular, they have been, our, our organization and organizations across the league have been very, very vocal about trying to make all of that as available to us as possible, um, which I think is great because like I said, like it's a grind and, you know, 
even outside of in, within soccer, there's so much stress and there's so much that can happen that can affect your mental health. But then we're, you know, we're normal people with that lives outside of soccer too. And stuff, stuff happens and it bleeds over to into your work and onto the field. And um, so it's, it's really good to have that, have that support from the organization. And then we have like great medical staff too. And like, they're, they're always around our ATs are great in terms of mental health support. And um, yeah, so it's definitely, it's definitely a topic a topic of discussion for sure. That's awesome. And do you guys have much interaction with the NWSL, like at a larger level of being able to connect with them or kind of have your voices heard on any topic? Yeah. I mean, so we have a couple of direct lines of communication, um, to reps from the, from the league. Um, there are players that are on our team that are representatives within the PA, the players association, um, that have more direct contact with the league as well. Um, there have been a few like league representatives. I'm not sure. It's been, it feels like it's been so long. It's been, I mean, it's been six months, geez, um, that I've been here, but towards the beginning of season, um, we had some of the executives from the league, you know, just in and around that were making stops at all of the organizations and, um, had like some Q and a sessions with them and like new, new hires up at the higher, higher levels of the league, um, you know, came in and, answered questions, you know, what do you want? What do you want to see different? What, what can we do better to serve you? Things like that. Um, so like on a day-to-day -day basis, we don't really interact with the league a ton, but, um, there are definitely lines of communication there if there are issues or if there's things that we, we want to address or we want to talk about or improve. So there's that it's there for us if we need it. That's great to hear. And then I just want to like your overall experience so far and getting into like being a professional from college. What does that feel like? Oh man, I just like, was it yesterday, two days ago, I was standing on the field and I, <laughs> I like looked down or I looked over at the, the big like racing logo that's over on our, on our facility. And then I looked down at it on my, on my shirt at training and I was like, dang, this is so cool that this is my job and that I'm here. Um, it's been, it's been crazy. It's like, sometimes it still doesn't really feel real because I think it's something, I mean, I set my sights on playing professional soccer when I think I was 11 and like, it's, it's so much has changed in the past six months in terms of like my physical location, like being out here and, um, uh, being a pro and, um, so many of the speed bumps along the way to get here. But like, um, in a sense, like, I don't feel any different because I'm still just like going to practice every day. It's just like, now I get paid every couple of weeks, which is super cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, the whole experience, it's been, it's been great. It's been hard, like for sure. Um, so I train at the Keeper Institute a lot in off season has been doing that since I was a uh, sophomore or junior in college. So I've been going back there for a few years and those coaches are great. And I was there during the winter right before I came here. And Jill Lloyden, who run, owns and runs it and is one of my mentors, best coach, one of the best coaches I've ever had. She sat me down, though. She had a long, illustrious pro career. And she said, you know, this year is probably going to be the hardest of your career. And I just want you to be prepared for that because it's going to be tough. And I, you know, like, I was like, yeah, yeah, you know, I know it, Jill, it's going to be hard and whatever, but you know, I'm prepared. I've been through hard stuff before and you know, my career hasn't been easy up to this point and I can, you know, I'm like, I feel like I'm ready. I feel like I can do it. And 
I think ne neither of us were wrong. Like I can do this <laughs> and I felt ready, but um, she was not wrong. Like this year, it's just, it's a lot. I mean, we already talked about sort of the adjustment of the, of the pace and like, you know, the mental side of, you know, catching up to all of that. And then um, being so far away from home. I mean, like I went away to school when I went to Seattle, but at the same time, like this is distance wise, the farthest I've been from like, my family, my friends, my whole support system. Um, and just like, it's a little, it's a little more difficult. I can't just like drive home in a day if I have to, to go see my family or hop on like a two hour plane ride. Like it's a, it's a little bit more, it takes a little more doing to get home. And so, yeah. So going through all of the, going through all the ups and downs of, you know, making the adjustment to this level. Um, and then also too, I mean, like I, when I came in, I was undrafted. And, um, that was tough, like going through, going through that process and, you know, racing, I was fortunate enough that Sergio was familiar with me. He had recruited me when I was in the transfer portal. So he knew who I was and he saw that I went undrafted and he said, Hey, you know, we'd love to have you in for preseason. Um, but when I came in, um, it was really uncertain if there was going to be a spot for me and that's tough. Right. And, you know, you're, you're pursuing your lifelong dream. Um, but you're out here, you know, working your butt off and not getting paid to do it. And, um, you know, stressing about money and stressing about, you know, whether or not you're going to be able to accomplish this thing that you've had in your head for so long and, um, feeling like, you know, the thing that was so hard for me with all of that was I, I actually came in and like, I'm very, very hard on myself in terms of my performance, but I actually did. I felt like I did so well all preseason. And like one of the first times in my career that I was like, I was really un, under some pressure to perform. And mm -hmm. I just like soared and I was killing it. And I was getting so much positive feedback and it wasn't a matter of, I wasn't good enough. It was a matter of just, there's not a spot. There's not, we don't have a roster spot for you right now because it's just so competitive. And then I was, it was, it was so frustrating and heartbreaking and uh, difficult. And then I like at the end of preseason, which was when I was going to stay through, they said, we love you. We want you to stay. We want you to continue to, tr to train and like, we'll help you get a coaching job. We'll help you figure it out. But like, we just don't have anything for you. And that was so terrible. <laughs> um, but then, you know, some things changed, like some players got released, some, some people got hurt and, you know, there ended up being an opportunity and they signed me right away, which was amazing. But like, it was just this whole emotional roller coaster of like, I'm doing well, but there's nothing. And then I like, oh, maybe I'll get something and then no. And da, da, da. and so going through all of that and then having the stress of like, yeah, not being on contract and then doing all of that, like thousands of miles away from all of my people and all of my support system. Um, in a strange place that I've never been before with people that I just met is <laughs> a lot. Totally. So. And did you feel, did you, cause you're saying you felt very confident in your play. Were there wavering of confidence in that time? And if so, how did you handle that or what tools were you using to kind of keep going? Yeah. You know, uh, there's always going to be waverings of confidence. And like, I think, um, I went through a, I went through probably about a month into preseason. I had a few days in a row. Cause I mean, it's easy to, it's easy to be like, Oh, I had a bad practice bounce back tomorrow, whatever, back to normal. But I had a string of practices where I just didn't feel as good as I was 
feeling previously. Um, and you know, it's funny because like, I'm already even looking back at it now, I'm like, yeah, like that was a, that was a tough topic that we were working on in training that week. And like, if you're having success, it was reminding myself and like retrospectively now and applying that principle to like going forward or whatever, if I have more slumps, like if you're doing stuff that you're always having success at, then you're not getting any better. Right. So like being conscious of that. And then, um, yeah, like I remember I was just so frustrated with myself and, you know, I started to think maybe like, oh, maybe my first few weeks were like a fluke and maybe I've just, maybe I don't actually deserve to be here and maybe I'm not good enough. And maybe this is like what I actually, like, maybe I just was, yeah, like having this crazy run, but like, this is more normal and da 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 da. And I actually sat down for like our normal kind of periodic film sessions. We were go over training film with Sergio and he had like nothing but positive feedback for me. And I was like, oh yeah, I was just being real hard on myself. Right. Um, but I would say, yeah, just being, being cognizant of the fact that like, yeah, there's, you're just, it's so inevitable that you're going to go through slumps. And like, my dad has always told me, um, he was a professional baseball player. And like, so that's been super helpful in terms of support systems, like having another professional athlete around to be able to give me pointers and like talk me through stuff. But like, um, remembering that, like what he always said was the, there's going to be the top 20% of your performance and the bottom 20% of your performance. And then there's the 60% in the middle. So you're going to be 20% of the time. You're going to be flying. You're going to be having your best stuff. Um, you're going to feel awesome. And then there's 20% of the time that you're going to feel terrible and you feel like you just can't get it right. And you're just off. And then the 60% in the middle though, is what counts the most. Like that's your body of work that's where you need to be focused on. So like, don't trip out, don't get hung up on the bottom 20%. Don't get too high on the top 20%. Like just live in that 60% and just focus, focus on that. And like your coaches are not expecting you to be in the top 20% all the time. And they're not like, they're aware of that kind of bell curve as well. Like you're not, they're not going to, and what I get in my head, head a lot is it's like, Oh, I had a bad day. They just think I suck right? Like they just, they just think I'm terrible. And that's just not the case. Like they, they are well aware, especially as a rookie coming in that like, there's going to be speed bumps. And Serge has told me that so many times. And he's like, it's not going to be perfect all the time. And I'm like, I know, but I want it to be perfect all the time. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, that's been, that's been kind of my, my motto with it all is just like, focus on that 60%. And like, um, yeah, again, like if you're, if I'm having success all the time, then I'm not pushing myself hard enough. So trying to find, find the positives in those like frustrating sort of divots in my, in my little <laughs> roller coaster. Totally. And sometimes we have to trick ourselves a little bit and even, 100%. like making it till you make it is actually a real thing. And we can trick our brains so much into doing it, but it, it works. And it's awesome that you kind of found that spot to kind of refocus yourself. Two more things. One, what's something you've learned this season, like the biggest takeaway so far? And do you have advice to younger players who want to play at the level you're playing at? You know, I think my biggest takeaway and like, this is like, it's it's been kind of, um, yeah, like emblematic of my career. Um, as a whole, but it just really was highlighted, I think, in the whole way that I got to where I'm at right now over the last six months. But like, um, 
the only like the only person that can tell you what you're capable of and that can determine how far you can go is yourself. And if you put yourself in a good situation, if you work hard, if you do all the things that you need to do, if you take care of you, opportunities are going to come. But you have to put yourself and some and they're not going to come right away all the time. Like, like I said, like they're I was doing everything right. I was doing everything I needed to do. And the timing just wasn't right for some reason. I was, I was actually really fortunate that the timing worked out a lot quicker than I thought it was going to, but, um, you know, just, there's so much value in just putting yourself, doing the, doing the right things, doing all the little things right. So that when the time comes, you are the first person that they call with that opportunity. And that's something like Sergio even said to me at the end of preseason, he was like, I, it kills me that we don't have a spot for you right now. And he was like, I will help you go wherever you need to go. If you want to go to another team in the league, if you want to go to somewhere abroad, I will help you. But the second something opens up, you are the first person that I'm calling. And so having, yeah, having put myself in that position was obviously so valuable because now I'm, now I'm here now I'm where I'm at. Um, yeah. And just being as hard as it is, just being, being patient, but having confidence in the work that you've done. And like, there's so much value in, you know, just as much as it sucks to sit around and wait for an opportunity sometimes, like you, you've got to like give yourself credit where credit is due and know, you know, like I've done everything that I possibly can to put myself in this position um, to where I know that I'm ready for opportunity when it comes. Totally. And I think like, similarly, I think we both had careers that have been like building blocks and like, get back to have to kind of break through them right like in my case I didn't have national team experience so getting recruited to play abroad is is difficult in the fact that they don't really understand what the NCAA is they don't know what Pac-12 soccer is or anything like that which is great because it gives everyone opportunities but it also made it much harder to get recruited to a a big team or something like that. So I had to kind of build my way up through the leagues to get to play in France and at these, at these big stages and you similarly with kind of like trying to navigate that process. And like, you're talking about getting to this level, but to I, to everyone, it's worth it. Like we are, I think we're both people who say yes to everything, like we're willing to do whatever and just putting yourself out there. And it's hard to get rejected. It's hard to to hear no, but like you keep pushing and then you have these amazing experiences and stories to talk about now. A hundred percent. And on that note too, like it's, it, it is so hard to get rejected and it's so hard to hear, hear no, but at the same time, like, again, you and I've had so much similarity in like, we've been like, this was not the first time that I was told no or not right now or not yet. Like I've had a lot of times in my career where people told me, no, you're not good enough. You're not going to be able to do it. Like going undrafted, like sucked, but it also was not the first time that somebody had passed me over for an opportunity. So like it's again, it did not feel good to not have my name called, but at the same time, it wasn't a new feeling. And I knew from previous experience that I didn't, it didn't matter. I could still go on and do whatever it was that I set my mind to do. And um, I think that that's something that I've seen other young players around me struggle with a little bit at times, like um, getting to getting to the pros and then having this be the first time that they're told no. Like, um, 
one of the, I mean, the cool thing from my perspective, but also one of the like stressful kind of crazy things about the NWSL is like, even if you're drafted, you're not guaranteed a contract. A draft is essentially just an invitation to come to preseason. Mm-hmm. And so we all came in on all of us drafted, undrafted trialists came in on equal footing. And there were, there were girls who got drafted here and at plenty of, a lot of other teams that didn't get signed. And for some of them and for some girls that I knew, like that was the first real rejection they'd ever faced in their soccer career. Like growing up, they were always on the best teams. They were always the best player on those teams. They just got funneled right through college, even like youth national team stuff. Like, and it really, they really struggle when they hit that that speed bump and they kind of try to, they kind of start to fall apart. And like, I just think I've had, kids actually reach out to me because again, I try to make myself as accessible as possible on social media and help out whenever I can. But I've had kids reach out to me and comment on my videos and stuff and be like, Hey, I, you know, just got rejected from this team. Like like I'm having a hard time, like continuing to stay motivated. Like, you know, I'm getting a little bit older and I feel like my opportunity is dwindling and I want to play in college. Like, what do I do? Like, do you have any advice for me? And like, part of me is like, honestly good (laughs) like good that you're facing adversity because like it's the kids that never face adversity that then struggle because inevitably it's gonna get hard and you're gonna get told no so it's like it's I yeah I think that it's so valuable to have had experiences like we've had where it's like it's it has not been a straight shot because it prepares you so much better for stuff that inevitably happens especially at this level For sure. And I think that like ties to the mental piece, right? Like we've had to do that self-awareness and kind of recognizing and wavering of the confidence. When you haven't had a ton of roadblocks, your confidence, it still is going to take some hits, but not maybe the highs and lows that it it does when you hear that no. And so kind of building those skills at a younger age, even if you don't play professional soccer, like you're going to be told no job in other areas of your life. And so being able to prepare for that is important. Um, Absolutely. I'm just so happy for you. Honestly, look at Thank us. Thank you. Livermore uh, doing big things. Try Valley products. Look at us go. Exactly. Yeah. Um, where can people find you on TikTok and all those fun places? Yeah. So my handle on pretty much every platform is uh, live underscore Sakani. So just L-I-V and then my last name, Sakani. Um, and like I said, I try to be real interactive and I want to, I want to help as many young players as I can and be a mentor for whoever I can. So, um, yeah, don't be, don't be scared to reach out. So awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Liv. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This was fun. Bye. Bye.